Assalamu alaikum, everyone. So today we're going to be reading from uh, Surah um, uh, 48, uh, verse 22. Awazubillah min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Victory guaranteed for the believers. If the disbelievers ever fought you, uh, they would turn around and flee. They have no Lord and Master. They have no helper. Such is God's system throughout history, and you will find that God's system is unchangeable. He's the one who withheld their hands of aggression against you and withheld your hands of aggression against them in the valley of Mecca after he had granted you victory over them. God is here of everything you do. It is they who disbelieved and barred you from the sacred masjid and even prevented your offerings from reaching their destination. There were believing men and women within the enemy camp whom you did not know, and you were about to hurt them unknowingly. God thus admits into his mercy whomever he wills. If they persist, he will requite those among them who disbelieve with a painful retribution. So um, these verses um, refer to uh, God's system uh, that he has in place uh, for everyone throughout humanity and uh, for the believers uh, specifically, you know, God's system uh, dictates that, uh, you know, God guarantees victory for the believers. Uh, if the disbelievers ever uh, come in, uh, you know, uh, combat with the believers, God will grant victory to the believers and the disbelievers will uh, turn around and uh, basically, um, you know, run away. And uh, because this is because God says that, you know, for the believers, you know, God is their Lord and master. Uh, and so, of course, uh, he's the one who grants them the support and he's the one who grants them the contentment. And uh, for the disbelievers, obviously, you know, they don't have any Lord and master. So they have nobody for their help or whatever this worldly, uh, you know, resources they have available uh, that, you know, appear on the surface. That's all they have for their support. So. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, that is in uh, no comparison to the kind of support uh, God provides. And this is God's guarantee for the believers. And God says, this is a system throughout history that you will, f and you will find that God's system is unchangeable. So this system will never change. Uh, this is God's eternal system. No matter what era you're in, you know, uh, you, this is uh, in Muhammad's era, but uh, of course, you know, in any era, this is God's system. And, uh, God's system will uh, remain the same uh, throughout humanity. So um, we can see that um, uh, during Muhammad's time also, you know, the disbelievers, uh, barred uh, Muhammad from uh, entering uh, God's uh, sacred masjid and prevented his offerings from even reaching uh, the Kaaba. And um, we can see that, uh, you know, uh, he actually uh, was about to hurt them 
by attacking them. And but you know, God didn't allow that to happen because there were believers among them. And this is how precise God's system is that you know, I mean, He will protect the believers uh, if they are, if even if they're not known to to you, and He'll also protect. Uh, the believers from hurting them because, you know, of course, hurting those believers would be a sin. So he uh, prevented uh, that to, from happening. Um, and then, you know, people who will continue to, um, you know, uh, disbelieve and continue to persist uh, uh, in uh, persecuting the believers, you know, God says that he will requite them with a painful retribution you know of course they they were doing this to muhammad to persecute him uh because because he believed in god alone and didn't believe in their uh idolatrous uh doctrines uh and um <clears throat> so god will I'll continue to read verse uh 26 says while those who disbelieved were enraged and their hearts were filled with uh the pride of the days of ignorance God blessed his messenger and the believers with peaceful contentment, directed them to uphold the word of righteousness. This is what they well deserved. God is fully aware of all things. God has fulfilled his messenger's truthful vision. You will enter the sacred masjid, God willing, perfectly secure, and you will uh, cut your hair or shorten it uh, as you fulfill the pilgrimage rituals there. You will not have any fear since he knew what you did not know. He has coupled this with an immediate victory. Um, so, this is another thing we see here that the you know the disbelievers, you know, their hearts were filled with pride of the days of ignorance, and and we can see that now too. You know, the disbelievers, you know, they are arrogant and they're just filled with. Um, arrogance and it's it's just all very superficial obviously you know um and it's from satan but for the believers you know god granted them uh contentment and peace in their hearts and directed them to uphold righteousness and um uh, and god says that you know god um uh gave muhammad um a, a vision that you know he would enter the sacred masjid and he'll cut his hair and shorten it. So you know this before it actually happened, uh, God allowed Muhammad uh, to see that you know he, eventually he will be able to make his Hajj and he will be able to uh, fulfill his pilgrimage rituals, um, and he will not have any fear. You know, and we see that later on when uh, you know uh, Mecca was. Uh, invaded later on uh, by uh, you know submitters uh, at Muhammad's time uh, <clears throat> so this also is uh, a another uh, reminder for us too you know that uh, you know if you if you believe in God and you truly worship him uh, alone like he could uh, give you a vision whether it's like a dream or uh, or any other kind of vision uh, doesn't say exactly if it was a dream, but uh, but you know he could give you good news through things like that, you know, and um, that's what we see here, you know, in advance, like he was given this news that you know he will actually do that, and then it happened. Uh, 
And it says, since he knew what you did not know, he has coupled this with an immediate victory. So obviously, um, uh, he has coupled this with an immediate victory. And in this case, you know, then, you know, that was a great victory for submission because, uh, you know, uh, that's when they, Mecca was purified for worship of God alone again uh, during Muhammad's time. So God willing, I'll continue reading uh, verse 28, the great prophecy. So he's the one who sent his messenger with the guidance and the religion of truth to make it prevail over all other religions. God suffices as a witness. And then the footnote says, this important prophecy uh, informs us that submission will inevitably dominate the whole world. This, together with verses 933, 4153, and 619, leave no doubt that uh, God's mathematical miracle of the Quran will play a major role in this prophecy. Solid Quranic mathematical evidence points to God's measure of the covenant as fulfilling this prophecy. See Appendices 2 and 26 for the evidence and specific details. Uh, and Appendix 2 talks about the Messenger of the Covenant, and I believe Appendix uh, 26 refers to um, also uh, the three messengers of submission, and that including uh, Rashad, uh, obviously. You know. So, um, as we can see, um, that you know, this uh, God gave Muhammad uh, victory too in his time by, uh, you know, some, allowing the sacred master to be purified. And then here we have uh, also the footnote from the Messenger of the Covenant next to it that how, you know, this great prophecy will, will happen eventually uh, that even didn't happen at Muhammad's time, you know, but it, but it started there, right? But uh, this is God's prophecy that eventually, you know, submission will dominate the whole world. And the, and the verse is uh, uh, 4828, as you can see from the footnote. Uh, it says that the mathematical miracle will, will play a major role in fulfilling this prophecy. So we know that uh, when the messenger of the covenant uh, explained this, you know, he said in about uh, 50 years or so, right? And so it's like, was like over 20 years ago and uh over 30 years ago right so it's like 20 years or so now we'll see that uh happening pretty pretty quickly you know in the next two decades um and uh, this is god's prophecy so it's in a very exciting exciting time for us to be in you know to be able to uh, witness that and we see that happening you know it's uh we can see it's a gradual process you know but you know of course it's uh, definitely hasn't reached its uh, peak for sure. I think um, we're starting to see things like, you know, COVID-19 and stuff like that, probably maybe, you know, the things that events, other events will unfold and how people are like looking for the truth and like, you know, trying to um, some, obviously a lot of people are falling for conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, people will start looking into these types of, things and they will start digging into the facts and uh you know they'll look at the mathematical miracle of the quran and uh you know they will uh in search for the truth you know they will find 
submission uh, by going through the mathematical code. And this is how submission is destined to uh, prevail, you know. And uh, it what says it will dominate the whole world, you know. So there's no doubt that this is something that will happen. And, you know, we have to be certain uh, that this is God's promise that uh, this is bound to happen, you know, during our lifetime, hopefully, God willing, you know, if we, if we live long enough. <laughs> so... Um, God willing, I will continue to read. Uh, quality of the believers. Uh, Muhammad, the messenger of God, and those with him are harsh and stern against the disbelievers, but kind and compassionate amongst themselves. Uh, you see them bowing and prostrating as they see God's blessings and approval. Their marks are on their faces because of prostrating. This is the same example as in the Torah. Uh, their example in the gospel is like plants that grow taller and stronger and please the farmers. He thus enrages the dis he sorry, thus enrages the disbelievers. God promises those among them who believe and lead a righteous life, forgiveness and a great recompense. Uh, the footnote uh, for 40. Uh, well, okay. So yeah, there's no footnote here actually. Uh, but uh so th this verse actually talks about the qualities of the believers. And then I think this kind of relates to the discussion, uh, a discussion we were having yesterday, you know, when, when uh, people talk about, um, you know, using the best possible manner. And of course here it says a quality, you know, not a, a weakness, but a quality of the believers. It's a good quality, you know, it's, uh, and it's a quality that only believers have uh, or should have is that they are kind and compassionate amongst themselves with each other. They're like uh, pussycats, you know, they're very kind to each other, you know, they care about each other, very soft and loving towards each other, you know. But, uh, but about the disbelievers and the hypocrites, uh, you know, uh, they are uh, harsh and stern against the disbelievers. You know, so hypocrites are also disbelievers. Uh, so, um, you know, they say they believe, but they're actually disbelievers. So they're harsh and stern against the disbelievers, right? And um, so you know that there are people, obviously, that are uh, not believers that you see every day, like people at your work, you know, your neighbors, things like that, you know, and there are people that are uh, potential believers, you know, I mean, they can get the message at some point, you know, so you treat them, in the nicest possible manner, best possible manner, and you know these are potential believers that can get out, get the message at some point, right? But then you have the disbelievers and hypocrites that have, um, you know, uh, confessed their disbelief and you know taken a position, uh, clear 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 position against the truth, where they have decided that you know made it clear that they're not going to believe, and they're against it, and they. Um, you know, denounce it and, and whatnot, you know, then uh, for those kinds of people, you know, you don't show that best possible manner. And if you do, it's only going to hurt you because you are, would be disobeying God by doing that. And you will not be qualified to be a believer because it's a quality of a believer, you know? So as long as you don't do that, you know, you're not a believer. Um, and uh, we see, we see, why God wants the believers to do that. You know, God doesn't want the believers to be uh, uh, pushovers. 
And sorry, to my alarm came. <laughs> God doesn't want the um, disbelievers. Uh, God doesn't want the believers to be like pushovers. And you know, God wants the believers. God wants strong people to stand on His side. You know, to be part of God's army. And uh, you know, if you and if you are not, uh, you know, um, harsh and stern against them, you know, obviously, you know, it will it will um, hurt you, and uh, the disbelievers will obviously trample you uh, as well, you know. So God wants us to be strong in, uh, in fighting these people and stern and harsh. Uh, <clears throat> and he says he does enrages the disbelievers. So you're, you're not there. You're, it's not your job, obviously, uh, to make them feel good, right? Because, uh, or to make others feel good about how you treat the disbelievers. Oh, this person's so nice. He's so nice to the disbelievers, you know. <laughs> you know you're supposed to fight them and uh, and and this is a quality of a believer um and he god says he thus enrages the disbelievers so obviously you're harsh and stern with them to the point that it enrages them uh to to see that from you you know so this is this is a quality that we should have uh as believers and uh uh, you know, pray to God to be like those people that God calls them believers and those who are, and Muhammad was that, right? Uh, it says, and the and uh, other believers. So obviously, you know, uh, most people use Muhammad as an example and stuff like that. But obviously, you know, I mean, this is an example of a true believer. Uh, Muhammad, like any other believer, was like that, and we we should all be the same. And obviously, we see that how they did that in their lifetime. You know, they were attacked and they they attacked them back in uh, self-defense and they fought against them, you know, and they defeated them, you know, like, um, killed a lot of them too, obviously. And that's not the best possible manner, obviously <laughs> killing a person, but anyways, um, enough said. Uh, so God willing, I'll read, continue to read verse, uh, Surah 49, uh, um, uh, Surah 49, the walls, Al-Hujurat, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. Um, oh, you who believe, uh, do not place your opinion above that of God and his messenger. You should reverence God. God is uh, here omniscient. Sorry about that. I think there's some woodwork happening or something. Oh, okay. I'll try to wrap up quickly. Uh in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. O you who believe, O you who believe, do not place your opinion above that of God and his messenger. Uh, you should reverence God. Uh, God is here omniscient. Maybe I should close the window. Just give me a second. Okay, sorry about that. All right. Uh, so I read verse one, God will not start again. It says, uh, O you who believe, do not place your opinion uh, above that of God and his messenger. You shall reverence God. Uh, God is um, here omniscient. Uh, 
verse 2, O you who believe, do not raise your voices above the voice of the prophet, nor shall you shout at him as you shout at each other, uh, lest your works become nullified, uh, while uh, you do not perceive. Surely those who lower their, voice, uh, lower their voices at the messenger of God um, are the ones whose hearts are prepared by God um, to become righteous. They have deserved forgiveness and a great recompense. Uh, and then the footnote uh, for verse 2 says, um, whenever the word prophet, Nabi, is used in reference to Muhammad, it, is invariably, it invariably refers to him during his life. Uh, not after death. Uh, obviously, we cannot possibly uh, raise our voices above Muhammad's voice now that he's dead. See also 33, um, 56. And uh, 49, 3 says, uh, respecting the messenger helps outsiders and visitors in coming to God's message. And this is very important. Uh, respecting the messenger helps outsiders and visitors coming to God's message. Uh, and then uh, verse uh, four uh, says, as for those who call on you from outside the walls, most of them do not understand. Had they been patient until you came out to them, it would have been better for them. God is forgiver, most merciful. Okay. Um, so um, these verses basically are very important uh, because these verses are telling us about the importance of not uh, placing our opinion above God and his messenger, obviously, uh, because it would nullify all our works. And that is very serious. You know, none of us would want to be in a position where um, all our works would be nullified. Uh, but this is uh, pretty easy. Uh, you know, uh, if you uh, have form an opinion about something and it goes against uh you know what god and his messenger uh, has stated you know um it will nullify all your works because uh your view first of all becomes um more important than than god and you know you start worshiping your ego because the moment you have a, a point of view that goes against god and you uphold it uh, so dearly to yourself that you're not willing to let it go, um, then it becomes your idol. And when you commit idol worship, obviously all your works are going to be nullified. Now, um, on top of that, uh, you know, when uh, you do that uh, by, let's say, you know, shouting at the messenger or disrespecting the messenger while he's uh, alive, obviously uh, will um, repel other people, you know, from uh, coming to the message. And uh, we see that happen during uh, Rashad's time as well, uh, where, where, you know, people were shouting, yelling against him and like, uh, you know, uh, not taking him seriously enough and disrespecting him and stuff like that. And, and God's, those people did nullify their, their works for sure. Uh, and not only that, I mean, they just literally went astray. Uh, most of them anyways and uh, we see that uh, you know if you are respectful and uh, to the messenger like you know during the time of the messenger like they said you know let's refer to him as Dr. Khalifa 
all right, and not don't call him Rashad. You know, that's not idolizing him. I mean, that's just showing respect. You know, when you respect somebody, you call here. Uh, you know, we call them by their last name, and if they're a doctor or whatever, you know, we, we call them doctor. You know, like uh, for example, you know, we uh, <laughs> I'll give the example. You know, like you have uh, 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 President Donald Trump. You know, so I hate to give that example, by the way, but uh, let's say you know, I mean, you're not going to say Donald. You know, hey Donald, like if you're sitting with him, you know. I mean, like somebody comes and says, really, that's your president. I mean, you refer to him as that, but you say, you know, with his title and then, uh, you, you know, then you address him by his last name, you know, and that's what uh, people were suggesting that people refer to him during, while he was alive. And I still prefer to, you know, use that uh, personally, you know, whether he's alive or dead. I mean, you, you still show a little bit of respect for God's messenger, because he's a messenger of God. And we can see that happening, you know, people show little to no respect. And then they're like, um, well, you know, the messenger, uh, well, he said this, Rashad said this, but this is Rashad's personal opinion. And they have their own opinion. And they easily do that, you know, without even realizing, you know, what's at stake here. And they clearly just, you know, dismiss the messengers and what he said about certain topics, and then they go on uh, with their, you know, limited understanding of what they get from the Quran after doing that, uh, you know, because uh, the messenger uh, of God is a teacher that is sent by God, by God, you know, so he's going to present to you the truth uh, from the, from, from the right guided perspective. And if you are going to be unappreciative and dismiss that, as, uh, you know, Rashad's point of view, quote-unquote, obviously, or his Rashad's personal opinion, uh, rather, you know, um, then then you're going to go astray. And, uh, it, I mean, we, we see that in many aspects. You know, most people are doing that right now. Uh, most people who who prefer, I mean, who, who refer to them as submitters uh, have opinions of their own that clearly go against the messenger, uh, and they will go against it. Many of them will will say they believe in the messenger and they uphold the messenger's point of view and uphold what he says and all that stuff. But then when it comes to the views that they idolize, they're not willing to let them go. Um, and they uphold them very close to them. And they've idolized a perfect example of that, as you know, circumcision, for example. You know, there's people who claim to follow everything the messenger says, really. Uh, and but they don't claim to, but they don't. But they don't follow what's in the Quran. They don't follow uh, what he has said are the practices of Islam, right? And then you have other examples of people, for example, uh, uh, like uh, you know, saying you could eat meat dedicated to idols, and there's other people that are saying other things, you know, like about the day of judgment, you know, own personal opinions. And uh, then there's uh, other opinions. Today we're reading about being harsh and stern with the disbelievers and hypocrites. And there's people that say we should be kind to them, you know, and stuff like that. And so these are all examples of people, you know, placing their opinions above God and his messenger and nullifying their works as a result. And they're doing horrendous, uh, uh, they're fabricating horrendous lies by doing that, attributing them to God as well, you know, as they form these opinions against God, you know, they, 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 they idolize their own egos or idolize egos of people who, who, uh, who fabricated those lies, you know, but in this case, if they follow them blindly, 
but but a lot of these people idolize their own personal opinions, of course, and their own opinions become more important to them than the truth. Um, and that's when they will fail very easily. Um, <clears throat> and so this example of, uh, you know, uh, calling the messenger uh, from out, shouting at the messenger from outside the walls is, is an example, you know, like you have, like if there was somebody really that you really respected and, and honored, you know, and they're, let's say they're at, inside their house, you're not going to, you know, just you shout at them and yell at them to tell them to come out, you know, you'll be patient and respectful and wait for them to come outside. And that's what happens like in Muhammad's time, there were these people and that, you know, clearly didn't uh, respect him enough, uh, his, his respect his position enough, you know, I mean, doesn't mean that you revere the person to the point of idolizing them, you know, but at least you treat the person with dignity and respect, you know, because that will help other people, you know, respect them. And if you show that respect uh, just to that level, just a level that, for example, you respect someone in your family or let's say a president or what, what, whatever, obviously you're not worshiping the president. But if you show that level of respect for the rank that they have, obviously, uh, you know, that will help other people uh, come to the message uh, and take the message seriously. Uh, and if you don't, your works will be nullified. And one other mechanism of nullifying is that that person who who saw you disrespecting the messenger uh, or dis saw you disrespecting the mes messenger by dismissing the message or, uh, dis you know, uh, whatever way, you know, he saw you dismissing the, uh, you know, he will uh, uh, get repelled from the message. You know, like what kind of people are these you know that what kind of messenger is this they don't even care what he says you know and then they'll just this is this is not uh you know a, a thing and this is not a you know religion they just people are just fabricating lies and they'll leave and they'll disbelieve right and then they go to hell and so you take the even though that person is destined to go to hell but the person who was an instrument in doing that by repelling these people, you know, also take credit by, for misguiding these people, you know, and that's a serious uh, thing to worry about. You know, you don't want to uh, be the instrument of sending people to hell and making them repel from submission uh, by doing that, you know, and this is what they did by showing disrespect uh, to the messenger. <clears throat> and we see that I, I think happening a lot now, for example, you know, uh, people like Adib and other people who were present during Rashad's time, you know, commonly did that. And, and they're doing the same now, for example, by disobeying or, you know, disregarding uh, all of his, uh, you know, teachings. And then other people are seeing that and then they're doing the same and they're following him in that uh, way also. And they're also, they're all going to hell, including, of course, Adeep and these people that are with him. Uh, so this is a, a clear example and what that can do to you. You know, of course, uh, uh, these people went astray greatly because of these types of things that they did as well. And so God didn't guide them. And we see the results of that. So um, <clears throat> God willing, I will uh, stop here for any comments and questions. Uh, God willing about the verses we read. Um, there is one question that... Um, I uh, I see, and, and this is from a uh, uh, brother, uh, Masyab, I believe, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. 
So he said, Salam alaikum, how do I assure myself that I'm not a hypocrite? Is there any way? So, um, um, since, well, it is kind of not really directly related to the verse, any of the verses we just talked about, but <clears throat> I mean, if you guys have no other, uh, well, comments or questions, or maybe we can just address that after we address the comments about the verses. I think that makes more sense. Much brother. Very good job. Thank you. Praise God. How many words uh, do you you read? It was verse five. Yeah, I read up uh, from verse forty-eight twenty-two to verse uh, uh, forty-nine five. Yeah, Masha you know, there is a lot of talk about the, you know, when God says that to uh, don't put. Uh, your opinion above the messenger and don't raise your voice above the prophet. It's just, you know, simple. Uh, I mean, even if you look at some of the audios from the messenger of the covenant, uh, they also talking about the, the same topic. And some of people, like, you know, they have objection to it. But common sense is that, you know, in any organization you go to, whether it be a school or at workplace or the military or anything, you're somebody that is above you, even you go into police, somebody has a high rank than you, you, you give them respect. That's just common sense. They are high rank, they know more, they have more education in any sense. So sometimes people have a hard time accepting that when it comes to religion. It's the same format that uh, the messenger is a, is a commissioned messenger from God. He's, he has a job and duty. And, uh, and just if you look at from this point that we have to respect the messenger or prophet, uh, even if they, they leave this world, uh, where God says that to support the messenger, those who support the prophet, I mean, you can still support him. You know, the purpose, the, the mission that they came to this world, you can, you can preach that, you can help in that cause. And there's many other ways to, you know, uh, respect them, mashallah. Okay, so I guess uh, maybe I can address the other question also about uh, how to, you know, you're not a hypocrite. Yeah, so I mean, I think if, uh, yeah, there is a way, obviously, you know, you you uh, have to see the qualities of the believers and the qualities of hypocrites that God talks about. So you go through the description of it in the Quran and you see what their qualities are. For example, God says that... Uh, you know, they, the, the hypocrites, they only show off in front of the people, you know, like when they get up for their prayers, they get up lazily, you know, when they, um, you know, uh, do 
give to charity, they do grudgingly, you know, things like that. So there's all these descriptions. So you ask yourself, like, why, you know, if somebody says you're a hypocrite, so you reason yourself, I am, you know, you start by saying, okay, I am a hypocrite. Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And if you can prove yourself wrong, then you're not a hypocrite, you know. But if, if uh, you know, you find out that you have all the qualities, then, you know, you can fix those, right? And then God says, you know, the hypocrites, they harbor doubts about the hereafter and this and that. And so you, you start to reason with yourself and you start to discover your own beliefs internally, like what you believe and stuff like that. And then you'll know based off of that, whether you are a hypocrite or, or, or not, you know, uh, and obviously if you're sincere, I mean, God will guide you uh, to see the truth. You know, obviously there's hypocrites that don't know they're hypocrites, but the thing is that they don't go through the same exercise with, even wanting to find out whether they're hypocrites or not, you know, they just say, you know, just, they just, they're hypocrites and they don't, uh, they, they don't think that they could be hypocrites. They think they're believers, you know, but for a believer, I think, you know, you, you got to look at the, uh, it very objectively and, uh, you know, um, reflect. Yeah, while on this uh, topic about disbeliever, I want to just mention the uh, uh, there's a hypocrite and then there's a disbeliever. Uh, on, on my last cross study, I, I mentioned something that I when I checked it later and I was, made, made a mistake uh, where God's talking about the disbelievers. Uh, towards the end, uh, where it says that uh, disbelievers are if they if they die and they disbelieve and they don't repent, then they will go to hell and. Uh, and then there God is talking, it was talking about uh, hypocrites that God makes them blind and deaf to them, you know, something like that. And then I, I made a comment that uh, the disbelievers, they're, they're not, they don't become deaf and blind. So until the time of the death, if they can change their life and they can become a believer and then they go to the process of the admission test and if either they will fall on the righteous or in the hypocrite. And so then I was looking at the surah number two and, and the many other verses that, that does not, that says the other way around about the disbelievers, that the verse number two, surah two, verse seven, God says that I was like, God seals their mind and their hearing and their eyes are veiled. They have incurred severe retribution. And that's right before the hypocrite topic starts. And the, this is about the disbelievers. Because God is saying uh, in verse 6, as for those who disbelieve, it is the same for them, whether you warn them or not warn them. They cannot be believed. They cannot believe. So uh, and so even if you disbelieve God, when God gives you a message, so that's my clarification that when you God gives you a message, even if you disbelieve and you reject it, there's, I guess there's, there's a time period uh, before God will seal your, you know, obviously God will not seal somebody's heart before the message. That won't make a uh, you know, difference. But somebody, after they get the message, either they believe and go to the test and become hypocrite, or if they can become disbeliever. And until sometime, and it's uh, however, God systems that God does seize their minds and hearts too when they, you know, after some time. You know, one of the things is, you know, how they say that don't drink and drive. Um, to me, that concept does not fit very well because when you start drinking, uh, you start losing your mind and you, you, you lose the ability to make decision 
as you drink more and more and the further you drink the further you will lose the ability to even sense that to make a decision that i should not drive so the action has to be taken before you start drinking like you hide your key somewhere or something because then you're going to go start driving because you because after you drink so many drinks then you don't know what you're doing what, what are you doing and obviously that's why we see so many people end up driving while they're drunk because they lose the ability to make decision similarly when you become when you when you are when you believe in god uh you have some time before that the shields will start falling on your mind and and like this person was asking how do you know if you go so far where god says we're going to make them deaf dumb and blind and their their hearts will be sealed they cannot even recognize it anymore for them god says in other places that the devil has adorned their work in their eyes so for them they will be like yeah we are the best people we are the best righteous people but they have no understanding of the mashallah that's when we look at it i was just thinking like how would you hide your keys from yourself <laughs> yeah probably you know you like you know somebody else hide it for you right yeah that's this probably or you have a you have a lock system where there's a timer you and that in 4 hours it will open or something mm-hmm. yeah you less yeah, you know, that's why they, they have those breathalyzer start keys mm-hmm. where you have to br- breath into the car ignition then it will start it will it will sense if you are drunk or not right yeah i i thought you were going to say that you just don't drink you know, that's the solution that is the best solution that's why god says to not to drink because it alters your mind Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drink. And be and this being a disbeliever and hypocrite is also one form of being drunk. Yeah, not drinking is the 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 safest route because you could take somebody else's keys and drive, you know, thinking they're yours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's makes sense. Perfect things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they go so far that you 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 would see somebody driving on the wrong side of the freeway. Well, they're drunk because they have completely lost the ability to judge and make a decision. Yeah. So, do you have any comments? Sorry, go ahead, uh, Ali. No, no. I mean, uh, just to you know about that topic about the believer and hypocrite. You know, once you know once you become a believer you know like in the previous constitution was reading that uh, they're excited and they're going to say that when the next verse is going to come and when the verse comes they have they have to sacrifice something or they have to go through the hardship that's where the lack of but the thing is that uh, this believer platform is just a temporary platform you know once you step on that platform uh, you used to play a game where you know they you keep jumping on the platforms and some platforms you cannot stay too long so this believer platform is something like that once you jump on it you know you have a limited time to make a decision you know whether you're going to believe in you're going to prove it to god that why you really believe in god and god is going to test you but if you just say the lip service and say i believe in god and not do what god is telling you then you're going to either fall in the hypocrite or righteous whether you believe i mean do what you say mashallah that's the comment i was going comments questions 
Off topic. Assalamu alaikum. I, I have a so, question. Sure. For, uh, verse uh, 26, God says, and directed them to uphold the word of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just, I was asking, you know. Mm-hmm. What is the word of righteousness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. question. Especially, he said, this is what they will deserve. It's like something good. You know? mm-hmm. And I was thinking, how? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. me. Yeah. Right. I think uh, my my understanding is that uh, that that just means to uphold the truth, right? Like, during all of this time, uh, you know, they when they were just, you know... Uh, enraged and um, their hearts are filled with pride and all of that you know the the believers are just on god's side you know they just have to uphold the truth and they're steadfast mm-hmm. and you know they remain uh you know uh, unmoved and unshaken by you know all of this uh you know things because obviously when they're filled with pride and all of that you know uh and rage uh, you know they they're they're you know probably trying to intimidate the the believers right but their peace there in their hearts you know god places peace and contentment and they're just you know uh upholding the truth and upholding righteousness Mm -hmm. during this time you know also and they're they're also their hearts are not filled with these types of things you know upholding they're just upholding the word of righteousness and that's it uh uh, which is just, I believe, just the the truth. What God says, how how to be, um, you know, during these times, and what to do, being steadfast. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, steadfast. Yeah. I was thinking mm-hmm. about maybe uh, this mm-hmm. just sh- show us mm-hmm. for steadfastness, for example, or um, mm-hmm. yeah, to be steadfast. I think mm-hmm. to hold the truth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Michelle. Thank you. Michelle, thank you. It's a good question, Michelle. Thank you for asking. Okay, we also have a very good question from uh, Brother M. Salim. And he says, please explain the sacrifice day observed by traditional Muslims. Right. Anybody wants to address that? Okay, so I guess maybe uh, I can address that. So, as we can see from the Quran, um, you know, the sacrifice that it talks about here, uh, uh, it says they prevented Muhammad from... uh, ...from reaching the Kaaba, right? And so... um, they actually, uh, this uh, this was we read about this in the verses we read actually. So this is actually a part of the Hajj ritual, right? When you observe Hajj uh, as as a way of conserving the um, resources uh, on site, you know, because there's millions of of people from around the world are going to converge in this one location. Uh, you know, you're supposed to offer, uh, you know, 
these animals to feed people that you don't deplete the resources in that area you know like all of a sudden imagine like a, a huge number of people you know just converge on one spot and if they don't bring their offerings uh to that place you know the food's resources are going to be all gone right because like let's say you know there's a there's a set amount of supplies for bread and and milk whatever right and so so that many people come they're just going to take all the resources so part of the wisdom behind it is that you when you come you also bring resources with you for food uh and distribute uh amongst yourselves and uh you know give to the poor and all that right so that helps uh you know uh, uh you know conserve the resources that are there you know you eat these things so so like the rest of the stuff stays normal you know because uh, there's so many people that will uh, that will perform this uh, ritual, you know, at one point, and so this is the reason. Now, the people, on the other hand, that are doing what they're doing now with the sacrifice or the day of the sacrifice. I mean, this is just an innovation because uh, they're not supposed to do that, right? Uh, they're not going for Hajj, so there there's no they're not going to Kaaba, right? So they're not going to uh, you know, deplete the food resources over there. So they're not supposed to do that. It's just a ritual that they have been doing. You know, it's a religious innovation. Obviously, there is a prayer associated with it as well. You know, they do their salat and stuff like that. So this is obviously has nothing to do with the Quran, you know. And uh, uh, even though, I mean, there's obviously this misconception that, uh, you know, the food is dedicated to, uh, I mean, the that the meat that they sacrifice is actually dedicated to Muhammad or Abraham, but that's not the case. Uh, the When they do the sacrifice, the meat is just dedicated to God alone. You know, they just take God's name on it, they eat it. So it's not prohibited for us to eat that meat. However, we're not supposed to do those types of sacrifices uh, as, you know, religious, uh, because they're religious innovations. You know, God didn't tell us to do that. And if you, if you want to sacrifice an animal and eat it, just just eat it don't participate in in doing those sacrifices yourself because you're just promoting that innovation uh forward you know and uh that also in to me like i don't uh i like for example if people wish try to wish me eat uh, and stuff like that like i don't participate because i know it's a religious innovation you know so i just tell them like i don't celebrate it um and obviously um you know there's no point in doing those sacrifices if you're not going to, for Hajj. If you go for Hajj, then you have to do the sacrifice uh, and that you, you do that ad in Mecca, you know? So, uh, you know, p this is just, uh, people just make the religion difficult for themselves uh, by doing these types of things. This is not part of religion. And uh, I think that's, that's uh, really the, you know, uh, right, I mean, the short answer. Uh, hope that answers your question, brother. I don't know if anybody else wants to add to that. No. It's hard when you're surrounded by these people, you know, and, 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 uh, around this time. You know. Thank God that's not the case here. Buddha's probably suffering from that. <laughs> Isn't the worst of God says that when you when you on Hajj you have to if you cannot sacrifice animal you have to fast for like seven days or three days and when you come back 
you do seven days. So, which clearly reflects that uh, God is telling which verse us. You know, we're uh, trying to find it. Uh, okay. Okay, if, if you cannot uh, uh, sacrifice an animal during the Hajj, you have to fast for certain days. Oh, yeah. Is it? Verse ninety six, two one ninety six, I believe. Yeah. It says, Hajj and Umrah pilgrimage. You shall observe the complete rites of Hajj and Umrah for God. If you're prevented, you shall send an offering and do not resume cutting your hair until your offering has reached its destination. If you're ill or suffering a head injury and you must cut your hair, you shall expiate by fasting or giving to charity or some other form of worship during the normal Hajj. If you break the sanctity of Ihram, uh, if you break the state of Ihram sanctity between Umrah and Hajj, you shall expiate by offering an animal sacrifice. Uh, if you cannot afford it, you shall fast three days during Hajj and seven when you turn home. So that is, and this can be stand. So that is, uh, if you break your, uh, that's the atonement part for if you break your, uh, you know, Ihram. So you okay. you expiate by offering an animal sacrifice, uh, and if you can't afford that, then you fast three days. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's just that's the that's additional sacrifice if you break your ihram, right? But if you can't oh. do the additional sacrifice, then you do three consecutive days of uh, fasting, right? But but that's not for the regular uh, offering you know, that you have to do. And if one cannot offer during the Hajj, or if, it's, no, if, you, can't, if you can't afford to to like do Hajj, then you don't even have to do Hajj, right? Okay. And this is so. Then you obviously, if you're going to do Hajj, part of being able to afford Hajj is that you you have to be able to offer one animal for sacrifice, oh, right? But if that makes sense. But then you have that much money, let's say, and you set out for Hajj, and then something happens and you break your ihram then at that point, you know, you already have your one sacrifice, but then you can't afford a second one, you know, so then you can just offer three days of um, fasting. Oh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, definitely that makes sense. If you, if you cannot afford it, then you cannot afford to go to Hajj. You have to be able to mm -hmm. do everything. Yes. So similarly, any, any religious duty that you do, and you need, we need to look at where the source is coming from. If the source is coming from other than Quran, then then that source becomes, you know, authoritative source that is telling you something to do. And we know that religious duties comes only from God and he's the source and he's, he has the authority to issue religious duties. Uh, similarly, like in any, any like in the military, you know, the commander, the seniors, they are the one issue the authority and somebody else, from outside coming and saying, no, this is what you're supposed to do. So you're violating the, the rule of the company. And mm -hmm. same goes for the religion. I mean, if, so basically you need to just check where does it come from? Somebody come and tell you, 
uh, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, even if you don't go to Hajj, you have to sacrifice animal. Then you need to know where do you say that? And if you don't find it in the Quran, and you know that it's said in the other books, and then that books become a source right next to God, issuing religious duties where we don't have any uh, way to confirm. First of all, and uh, and 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 we don't even have to confirm it because God says in the many places that this is the book is fully detailed that you must follow. This there's nothing is left out of this Quran, Mashallah. Mashallah, yeah, and I also want to mention uh, the verse that I was uh, referring to about the animal sacrifice uh, and the footnote. This is uh, Surah 22, verse 36. It says, the animal offerings are among the rites decreed by God for your own good. You shall mention God's name on them while they're standing in line. Once they're offered for sacrifice, you shall eat therefrom and feed the poor and the needy. This is why we subdued them for you, that you may sh show your appreciation. And then when it says that they're, they're for your own good, the footnote for that says, animal offerings from the pilgrims conserve the resources at the pilgrimage site. Note that almost uh, 2 million pilgrims converge, converge on Mecca during uh, pilgrimage. So now that number is like almost like 3.5 million. Uh, right every year and obviously it continues to grow so that many people just come you know in a short span of time to uh, you know one small city obviously you, you know God wants to conserve the resources there by just bringing in offerings and eating that so you know everything else stays normal you know it's like when you have the shortage of like toilet paper and stuff like that now we see how that would happen you know th for everything in Mecca, right? When people come, if they're not eating, all the food supplies are done. They have to really, would have to really stock up like a lot of food for that to not, you know, be the case. Um, when you talk about millions of people converging. So that's the only reason we're, you know, you're supposed to do that. So obviously what the people are doing now is just a, a religious innovation that, you know, they're following. Any other comments? What do you guys think about the great prophecy? Uh, verse 28, 48, 28. Uh, yeah, it's very, you know, we cannot probably understand how this will happen, but we know one thing that uh, when we're reading the uh, chapter, the word smoke, that when the smoke will come and uh, people will start believing, and that could be one of the prophecies that link to this one maybe. But when God says this happens, this we know that this will happen. And obviously, you know, like a few years back, there was some Roma, uh, some calendar. Uh, in uh, Spanish culture, there was there's a prophecy in it, 
So they link something to that. So obviously people will start linking, okay, there's a miracle of 19 in the Quran. And this, this is like the virus is named 19 and many other uh, people will start doing math and start linking. And a lot of people, it will just probably will become, uh, become popular in the media and people start pondering. And um, you know, they will probably believe, but it's just the belief in itself doesn't do any good. And, you know, but it will dominate probably. Yeah, mathematical miracle analysis will play a great role, and I think um, that hasn't um, so far. Like, you know, it's not uh, been the you know uh, center of uh, people's attention when it comes to uh, religion. You know, the scientific proof. You know, but we have the scientific, you know, tangible evidence that uh, you know this is uh, God's uh, unproven uh, you know I mean this is God's uh, uh, unaltered message uh, and that is proven now by this uh, mathematical scientific miracle you know what I mean um, and uh, this is the, the mathematics is the ultimate proof so people who are educated and have scientific minds obviously people are going to be more sophisticated you know going forward in religion I mean in um, in mathematics and science in general, right? So they they will look for evidence of this caliber, uh, you know, to be able to con to be able to convince themselves that you know uh, this is from you know a superhuman uh, source. For me, this was obviously you know uh, the most convincing thing when I came to submission. Obviously, to see the mathematical. A miracle behind it, you know. I mean, that was above anything else uh, in convincing me that you know everything that I was reading was the truth, uh, and everything from the Messenger of the Covenant. Um, before, before, otherwise, I mean, it was just it was. You know, there's still a lot of doubts, you know, whether you know, maybe, like I I would think, well, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. You know, like the Day of Judgment, for example. But when I read about the mathematical miracle. I was like, wow, <laughs> the hereafter is all going to happen. You know, like I started getting flashes of the day of judgment and, you know, all these scenarios in my head, you know, and started getting goosebumps and stuff. So it's like, and I was just, uh, that, that, yeah, that remained in my head, mashallah, for a very long time. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Like when I look back in traditional Islam, uh, many, many times uh, I would have doubts in my heart. Is it really the word of God? Is uh, all my, the salats we are doing, are they, are we just doing some physical exercise? Uh, are they just, you know, innovations? Uh, is this really, I mean, all this religious practice was like, are we wasting our time? Is it really a day of judgment? Maybe we're just a uh, byproduct of this, uh, uh, what you call that, you know, evolution. And we just came into existence. What is the truth behind it? And there were so many doubts. And mashallah, this go, the miracle of 19 has removed uh, all those doubts. And uh, uh, God sports your heart, can make you content. Uh, you will literally see your life change. Yeah. And you will look back and you see, wow, what a, what a difference. 
it, it will be actual physical evidence of your life changing every day. Uh, even if you look in the Bible, uh, God talks about see God's kingship over you and everything will be taken care of. And uh, there are like four or five verses and God's talking about those who run after worldly life. I'm just paraphrasing from the Bible that uh, you see them running around this money and everything else. But if you seek God's kingship, everything will be provided to you and you will not have to worry about it. And a very similar message is in Quran. And you will literally see that happening right before your eyes, mashallah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's a very important thing to remember, you know, that if you, if you see God in your life, you're really, everything else will just fall in its place, like, at the right time. You know, there's this hospital, I go to, it's out of town, and it's like a small country type place and in the hospital they are very god-loving people and they're always putting verses in the elevator and every time i go in there's a new verse or something they change every now and then and many times they will put a verse that god is walking next to you he will not i mean i'm just paraphrasing these verses that he will not let you fall he will guide you he will he will support you you have god is loving you all these things that that you will not even have any pain and suffering in your life I mean, and I'm reading now, like, my God, you know, this is exactly what Quran is saying, but why, how come people don't ponder that uh, if you're reading these verses that God will be your right hand, he will hold you, he will have his hand above you, that you will not suffer anything, then what one should consider that why I'm suffering with this health problem. There's, there has to be something wrong, that maybe I, I miscalculated, or there's something, I'm, I'm making a mistake, probably. No, mashallah. Okay, well, actually, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, I think that's very important, and uh, that was in uh, verse 29. Uh, it says, uh, their marks, uh, you see them bowing and prostrating as they seek God's blessings and approval. Their marks are on their faces because of prostrating. This is the same example as in the Torah. Uh, uh, okay, so their marks are on their faces because of prostrating. Now, um, this is very important. You know, when you read this at the outset, like it seems like this is referring to like a physical mark on your forehead uh, because you've prostrated too much. And, and you see that, you know, there's people that will, you know, put like artificially, you know, try to create this ma uh, mark, a mark on their foreheads. Uh, to show that they're righteous and you know they're believers because they have a mark and they look for the physical mark and they think if you don't have it then maybe you're not a believer and uh, but actually you know this is what's referring to is that a righteous uh, believer I mean of course a believer will have uh, uh, you know happiness in their life so you can see the the happiness on their faces uh, you know uh, because of that, this is the mark of your righteousness. This is the mark that God is referring to because you're prostrating to God and you're 
obeying God, I mean, you have you have that on your face, you know, from from obviously, um, you know, being uh, uh, worship for worshiping God, you know, you your soul grows and nourishes, and God gives you happiness. And so, once your soul is nourished you know, through that, uh, you know, you have that mark on your face naturally. Uh, that doesn't mean like a physical mark on your forehead. Uh, so that's what I thought I should uh, clarify as well. And then I really like the the rest of the verse also, you know, when it talks about um, uh, their example in the gospel is like plants that grow taller and stronger. Um, he thus enrages the disbelievers. So uh, imagine plants that grow taller and stronger right? Uh, I mean, the disbelievers will hate to see God's blessings come your way and see you become stronger and better believers every day, you know, like it's like a tree, you know, for example, plants that grow taller and stronger, I mean, how they grow, you know, the believers can grow like that, probably even bigger, uh, more in, in uh, I mean, uh, Obviously, if you look, it's not like literally like based on the size of the tree, you know, because the believers also they will grow in leaps and bounds. Right. But if you if you look at it from like a structural perspective, you know, like how it has branches and, and this whole network of of uh, veins and uh, I mean, things like that, that you see in the tree and, you know, the trees bearing its fruit and how it's like the you know, roots are down and deep into the ground and nourishes, you know, and gives benefit to the people. And there's so many aspects of it. Like if you really ponder on the allegory that God talks about here and is uh, in the, in the gospel, uh, you know, it's also a very great example. And I think I remember reading something very similar about the believers in the, the gospel. I mean, in the Bible, I really like that example, mashallah, you know, I mean, for the believers, because they are like that, you know, they will, as time progresses, you know, their belief will become stronger and they'll, their belief will be more established and they'll, they'll be more grounded with their beliefs and, uh, you know, grow as uh, submitters. Yeah, God's allegory is so awesome, you know, he's talking about mashallah, pleases the farmer and so you we we are like farmer we are planting the seed for the hereafter and the seed is our soul and uh, so as a farmer grows crops and he looks at the crops and it, it makes him happy if you look at my you know so as a submitter farmer you know you, you're you are planting your soul and as a messenger of the covenant says that the soul can physically grow the size of a city uh, like city of Tucson or Arizona, that state, yeah, or probably Arizona, or maybe even grow bigger than that. You are like, and when they're two submitters, they, they, you you are like hugging each other, overlapping with each other's boundary, uh, mashallah. And and that's such a beautiful example. God is saying, like a farmer, when they are happy, and you you can sense your soul. I mean, there's, I mean, God kind of put a sensor in your heart that you know you're you can feel it in your heart because you know you are you're not sad the way you used to be you know things yeah. doesn't bother you anymore and yeah. you can feel there's something else really, yeah i think if you become sure. really good believers you know our souls sure. can hug each other too uh, you're in texas and i'm in california 
Right from that far, yeah. <laughs> it's just like internet, you know, we connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned, I mean, uh, when you read these verses, I, 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 when you mentioned that, I now realize, my God, but a farmer allegory is so beautiful. It just fits the perfect picture. And on the day of resurrection, you will actually physically see your crops. Uh, what did you grow? And you, and one person who obey God and will see his, his land full with giant trees and someone who disbelieved God even gives their example. You see a tree that is chopped off at the base and has no roots. You know, what a beautiful allegory God says about the disbelievers and hypocrites. And there they will see their dry tree fallen on the ground with no leaf like in the winter time or something yeah exactly they just wasted their whole life like yeah. right yeah that's why you know it's so important for us to uh, uh, reflect and and find out like what we're after you know this world because many people they they will come to submission and then lose their way, you know, because their priorities change uh, at some point, you know, at some point, you know, it, it's more about the people than it's about God, you know, and at that point their loyalty you know, shifts from God to something else. Or maybe it was never there to begin with, you know, but uh, for, for believers, I mean, they have to have a clear objective, like, what are you doing this for really you know i mean and this is your goal you have to have your goal in front of you and and know, and know what you're aiming for right i mean this is you're living this life i mean what's most important to you you know is it the people around you is it the community is it the respect is it the reputation or you know you're doing this for god really i mean at the end of the day when it comes to you know making decision i mean what what is what is going to be the deciding factor for you to make choices and you know make your stand and uh, you know w w you know so um, because when you don't you know obviously you could be like those trees you know that they're that are chopped you know and they don't grow and that's it you know then they're, they're wasted you know but uh, a tree that is you know um, uh, you know has all of its branches in place and its uh, roots in place, you know, uh, and are aimed at pleasing God, obviously, you know, also, I mean, the farmer could be also, you know, God, you know, because it pleases him to, you know, he's the one who guides us. He's the one who nourishes us and gives us the guidance. And um, so you can look at it that way too, I suppose. Yeah, mashallah. You know, the vision, you know, there was a motivating video I was watching that the, you have to have a vision in your life. You make a daily goals and uh, small goals and this and that, but a vision is a lifetime vision that what do you want? Where do you want to see yourself? And, and you start attaching, you start imagining yourself being there. Suppose somebody wants to be an entrepreneur, a businessman, and uh, wants to live off the beach and he said that you want to imagine yourself living on the beach. So start attaching. That will motivate you. So as a submitter, we should um, our vision should be to be have success in the hereafter, in seeing ourselves 
in like you know not with the humble that's not just like oh i am going to heaven but imagine you said that you know that i want to be good there i want to be forgiven on the day of judgment and uh, being among the righteous people and that's where you know i was i was uh, the one person said something about uh, it's in urdu but i will translate inshallah that you know that uh, he says in urdu that you know badi manzil ke musafir choti moti ladaiyon mein nahi padte aur aap dekh sakte ho kisi ki ladai se ke uski manzil kya hai like the the people with the their their vision the destination if it's it's it's, it's big they will not get involved in small fights small arguments they because their vision is so high that they will not even bother it and uh, if somebody is fighting and and you can sense what their vision if, if people are just fighting about something like on the street like you know how kids will fight about small things and because their vision is not set yet so their their goals are small but like you see on the street people are like somebody is a homeless or someone they're fighting and uh, you know you can see their their vision is but you can also see that somebody who's a millionaire or someone very very rich and he runs a company he will not get involved with some people in the base you know like something the entry level he said oh you just sort it out yourself he doesn't want to get involved because his his goals and his missions everything is high so we should be something like that that our vision should be so high that if small things should not even bother us at all like somebody cuts you off on the freeway or somebody says something bad to you i mean small thing we should even bother because our our vision is so high that we are looking far above mashallah Yeah, I guess if uh, anybody else has any comments or questions, any anything they want to discuss off topic on YouTube or on the pen. Okay, I'll just give them a minute or two if they, anybody has to type. If not, I guess maybe we could uh, conclude the study here, uh, God willing. Um, so thank you all for joining us uh, uh, on YouTube and or on the pen, or if you're listening to it in the podcast as well. Uh, God willing, our next study is going to be on Tuesday at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And our teacher is going to be uh, Ali. you're going to do it inshallah okay inshallah okay so thank you guys for joining us and god willing we'll see you soon god bless you all assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum